You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. We kicked off our new series on uh, Philippians, this eight-week journey of Philippians. I tell you what, this is going to be an incredible eight weeks. You know, you know, we're not just a, a topical church. You know, we're not just you know preaching to you know just things that we think are good for the moment, for the season. Yes, we do that, uh, but we're also a church who loves the Word of God. Uh, and we know that the Word of God is breathed by God. And we know that as we dig deep, uh, deep, uh, dig deep into this Word, we know that God will pull out, you know, bring to the service revelation for our lives. Uh, and so that's why we're both a, a topical church that loves to preach on things that are happening in this current uh, moment, current situations. But we also love to preach the Word of God uh, and how he written it, and uh, you know what he has to say in it, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited, and I heard that Pastor Darren just smashed it out of the park last week, and uh, and you know now I have to follow that up. So you know, hopefully I can, and uh, and I just love what you know Pastor Darren you know brought of the the context of Philippians, uh, the nature of a letter, the framework of understanding that you know what it, what did it mean. You know, for them, in their context, obviously we live in a different world now. Uh, and, and, you know, as we read, you know, the word, you know, so what did it mean for them? What does it mean for us as a church? You know, we are, you know, we are a church, the church here at C3 Victory, but also, uh, you know, the church now. In, in, in this world as we know, in this society as we know it, what does it mean for us as the church? Uh, but also, what does it mean for, for me? What does it mean for you individually, you know, as we apply it to our life? And so as we continue to go on through these scriptures and, uh, you know, today I'm only, I'm going from, you know, verses 12 to 30 and that's only a very small chunk. But as we continue to go on through this whole book, you know, let's, let's remember those, those key, you know, uh, key points of what does it mean for them? What does it mean for us? And what does it mean for me as an individual? And so, uh, and also just to uh, keep the you know consistency of of what we're doing as uh, each preacher comes and and speaks into Philippians, uh, we are uh, Pastor Darren probably mentioned that we're all using NIV Bible. Uh, it's the the one and true Bible, I believe. Uh, you know, no NLT or anything like that. ESV Message, they are good though. Uh, but my Bible is the NIV, uh, and we're also using an incredible uh, Bible commentary by uh, by Gordon Fee. And incredible, as I read it this week, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, and Paul's letter to the Philippians. So we're all using this to just to keep that consistency as we do this journey, this eight-week journey of Philippians. And so let's pray because I'm freaking out because this is, this is going to be deep. But I'm excited, okay? So let's pray. God, we thank you. We, uh, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that uh, your word is steadfast uh, it has been the same uh, from, you know, when you first wrote it, Lord Father, to, to when we all go away, God, it is the same. And I just thank you that you have breathed your words onto this. And I just pray as we 
delve deep into it this morning, God, that you'll just, you'll bring light into it, you'll bring revelation out of it, God, and uh, just ways that we can apply it into our own life. In your mighty name, amen. I am capable. And I'm going to do a lot of reading, so I'll probably, I don't usually drink water when I preach, so I probably might need it. Um, no update on the All Blacks this weekend. Uh, they're meant to play today, but there's uh, Cyclone uh, Hibijus, Hijibus, Hijibus, uh in Japan. Uh, and so uh, super, super Typhoon or something like that. So uh, no, no update on the All Blacks, but you guys don't care because we're in Australia. Uh, wrong country. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to get into this. All right. So, like I said, we originally, uh, you know, because so Pastor Nate says, uh, has just finished preaching at Central. Uh, hopefully he's finished. It's 11.16. Uh, and... <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we, we originally were going to go from uh, verses, uh, from chapter 1, verses 15 to 30. Uh, but to get the context of that whole scripture and, and what Paul is saying in this, uh, this, this actual passage, uh, in this letter, you know, we had to go back a couple of verses to get the full context of what Paul's going through. And so this morning, we're going from verses 12 to 30. And are you guys ready? Because I'm about to ramble 15, 16, 17, 18 verses off. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Whew. All right. And they're on the screen, so hopefully my man up the back can keep up. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has been become clear that throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord haven't been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Verse 15, it is, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of good will. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincere, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing that is in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will not in any way, in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the, in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between these two. I desire to de depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you through your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Verse 27. 
whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that I know that you will stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amen. All right. I practiced that a lot. All right. So it's really cool that this scripture, this kind of like passage from 12 to 30 is kind of actually broken up into kind of four little sections, four sections that we are able to to delve even deeper into. And uh, and that makes my life easier as a preacher as well. And so the first section is that uh, from 12, from Philippians 1, 12 to 14, it's Paul's current situation. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what have what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So in a, in a normal letter, following the Thanksgiving and prayer, what we talked about last week, the, the, the writer, usually the writer would inform the recipients of the letter about their current situation. And who, you can be honest, we're all a family here, but who is a part of a family or even knows, you know, maybe has a, a friend, right, uh, of a family, you know, in a family who has a end of year newsletter? Really? Come on. I'll try not to offend you. Um, <laughs> and and, and I, I have, I've not, my family's no way like that at all. Uh, and, but I do know, you know, friends of, you know, have families like that. And, uh, you know, the, the newsletters, and I had to look these up, so because I'm not in that family. Uh, so I had to look them up. And they're all quite similar. It's like this brief kind of introduction of a real brief, summary of what the year has been like, uh, and then they start talking about themselves. So, you know, you know, I'm still in my job. It's awesome. It's, you know, I'm still nine to five making the dollar, and my partner, you know, she's still in her job. She's studying part-time, and it's great, and it's cool. You know, Joey's eight years old. He's running a muck, and, you know, just kind of shooting everyone with his Nerf gun, and, 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 and Sophie is, you know, just learned to walk, and she's terrorizing the neighborhood. But then they go talk on about their pets, you know, and Ralph got a new toy and, uh, you know, and everything like that. But no one cares, right, that Ralph got a new toy, right, or how many fish that you forgot to feed throughout the year, right? And that's just, you know, I, I love it. It's good. And, you know, if you're doing newsletters, keep going because uh, we've got to use paper for something. Um, <laughs> But in this particular, in this particular, uh, I wanted to use that as an example because in this particular letter, Paul actually shares little about himself. He shares very little about his situation, um, probably because when the Philippians already know of his current situation, 
and, and that Paul would also expect Epaphroditus, I've got at least quite a few big words in this, so please excuse me, uh, to fill them in on such matters. And so Epaphroditus was a close friend or a, a brother that you know, Paul saw as a brother and a co-worker, uh, you know, someone that he was extremely close to. He was also the messenger of the Philippians, uh, and Paul had also sent him back to Philippi after the Philippians had sent him to Paul with gifts. And so Paul sent him back, and so he kind of assumes that Epaphroditus has already shared Paul's current situation with the Philippians. And so he actually doesn't talk a, a, a lot about, you know, I'm in prison, woe is me, you know, it's annoying. Secondly, so firstly, he already thinks, you know, he would assume that the Philippians already know what's going on. But secondly, and this is what I love about Paul, is that Paul is more focused on his calling. Even from prison, Paul is more focused about his calling and that prison isn't a barrier but is actually helping to advance the gospel. The effect of being in prison has been quite the reverse of what they had expected. You know, the advancing of the gospel that Paul is talking about is happening in two ways. Firstly, in prison. And it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I love Paul, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Even in prison, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel and he's making sure that the gospel spreads even from being contained in a prison cell. Everyone knows why he's there. Secondly, Paul talks about, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Gordon Fee explains that, you know, the brothers that Paul talks about are believers within Rome who are being more active and proclaiming Christ. So there's people in Rome going, hey, Paul's in prison. You know, he, he, can't, he can't be here to preach Christ. We, we got to step up. We got to actually do something. You know, we actually got to you know, help a brother out and preach Christ while he's in chains. And so, you know, there's the advancing of the gospel in two ways. One, in, in prison with Paul, but also outside of the prison in Rome, uh, where, you know, the people are actually stepping up. So Paul sets up this letter with a little bit about himself, but more what is happening uh, and to, to make for sure that the focus is still on Christ and that the mission is still being outworked. Philippians 1, 15 to 18, that Christ is being preached. The second little uh, section of this incredible verse. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached. In this uh, you know, section of Scripture, we see Paul's passion come out. Paul's passion of the Word, Paul's passion to see that Christ is still being preached. You know, however, in, in, you know, while Paul is in prison, he learns that there are two types of people. The first, who are preaching out of envy and rivalry. 
and uh, you know, Fee, Gordon Fee explains that these two words, envy and rivalry, were usually found in the list where Paul talks about these two behaviors not inheriting the kingdom of God. You find it in Galatians 5, 20 to 21, and also describing false teachers in 1 Timothy 6, 4. However, in this, new, in this text, we see a new underlying meaning for these two words. And Gordon Fee puts it like this. A newfound boldness of some, which, of course, can only be, have been directed at Paul personally. Jealousy is one of the basest expression, expressions of human fallenness. Out of envy towards Paul, perhaps with an unkind of savory delight that enjoys kicking an opponent who is down, they now view Paul's imprisonment maybe as evidence of God's judgment, as their chance to preach Christ correctly, right? So there's people going, hey, Paul's in prison. We don't believe what he says is true. Hey, let's, let's now take it on our shoulders, you know, to preach what we actually think is true. Let's preach our opinions, you know, to, to people. And, you know, and, and that's where everything just gets messed up. You know, but there are others. There are others who preach Christ out of goodwill and love. These people can see that Paul can no longer preach publicly, so they have stepped up so that they can that people can still hear the word of God. And I love this because this reminds me of a story, not a story, but a uh, just something I have learned as a youth pastor. Uh, as a as a youth pastor, and uh, you know, Christina and I are the youth pastors here uh, at C Three Victory. If you didn't know, and uh, you know. Seeing incredible growth in our youth ministry um, has my my perspective has changed. My perspective of of how growth has happened has changed. Believe it or not, this is this is what my perspective this is what the change of my perspective is. I am not the hero of our story. I am not the hero of the growth that has happened in our youth ministry, believe it or not. Um and, you know, we, we came into this youth ministry and it was amazing, but there was, uh, there was struggles, there was hurt and everything like that. And, and we came into it and, and it was actually amazing. We started like we, in 2015, amazing. It was, no, 2014. Uh, and we came on and there was like, you know, 70 youth and it was incredible. And, you know, we're like, yes, just, you know, we're taking on this youth ministry. It's like 70 young people weekly. It's amazing. 2015 rolls on, and we had like 10. Like, honestly, like we had like 10 at the start of 2015, and we're like, where the heck did everyone go? And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to make sure that I can grow this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow this thing again. And, and, and so, uh, you, know, we, you know, we're seeing 10 come along, but, uh, you know, what actually happened wasn't because of me. Yes, we did see uh, an incredible growth take place, but over you know uh, many years, uh, you know, you know, we're in our sixth year of serving as youth pastors. Uh, you know, from Ju- from July we crossed over to our sixth year, and, and we have seen just a, a slow but steady you know growth that has happened in our youth ministry, growing from ten or even sometimes less on a Friday night into you know 50, at least fifty-five, an average weekly uh, this year. 
uh, and it's been amazing. But my, uh, my, my perspective has changed. Is I am not the hero of this story. God is the actual hero of, of this story. I didn't make the growth happen. God made the growth happen. Uh, and it's the same with Paul. Through all of this, uh, Paul has an incredible perspective change on his situation. You know, and, and things that were happening outside of his control. Paul wanted to go to Rome. Paul wanted to preach the Word of God in Rome. That was his desire. That was his dream. You know, my dream was to be a, a youth pastor that grew an incredible you know, youth ministry. And, and the same with Paul is that he wanted to go to Rome and, and build the kingdom of God, and it was amazing. But then Paul gets thrown in jail. And it's like, oh, my, I can't do anything anymore. You know, I'm in jail. But he has this incredible perspective change is that, uh, yes, Paul is in Rome. That's a, that's a plus. Uh, but his circumstance is not what he thought it would be. His situation was not what he thought it would be. The environment that he is in not, is not what he thought it would be. And, and what is actually happening, and he can't complain because he actually rejoices. He actually rejoices because God in his own wisdom, in his own funny way, is still actually advancing the gospel. While Paul is in prison, God is still using people to preach the word of God and to, and to grow the kingdom of God. And it's amazing because Paul's like, oh, no, it's not actually all about me. It's about God. God's going to do all the work. Well, not all the work, but God, is, God will make the moves. And it's love, verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives or true, Christ is preached. You know, Paul's like, man, I just want to preach Christ. However it happens, Christ is preached. We're, we're advancing the gospel. My third section, the third section in this incredible uh, passage is Philippians 18, eight, uh, one, chapter 1, 18b to 26, Paul's deliverance in the good of the Philippians. Um, I'm not going to read it all because there's a lot. But in this scripture, Paul, or in this part of the scripture, Paul actually uh, frames this text with joy. He frames it with joy. From 18b, he frames it from joy to, to 26, he frames it with joy. And is looking to what the future holds for him as a person, for him in this situation, in this current circumstance that he's actually in. And so there's, there's three parts of this section. The, the what's next, the uh, whether by life or death, and then the end result. The what's next, whether by life or death, or the, and the end result. And so we go into what's next. For I know that through your prayers... And help that had been given, uh, or 18, 18 uh, so I'll just go back here. So 18b says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And then it goes into 19. It says, for I know that through your prayers and the help, of the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will, act, will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that in no way uh, be put to shame, uh, be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Paul has this expectation that through prayer, through the prayers of the church of Philippi and the outworking of the Spirit, Paul will be vindicated. He will be released. Even, 
you know, if he was to be re- released or if the worst was to happen and, re- and you know, he received a death sentence, that through all of this, Christ, Christ would be magnified. That through no matter what, it's not about, Paul doesn't have this perspective of it's not about me, it's about Christ. No matter what happens through life or death, it is about Christ, that Christ would be magnified. And, and Paul was always focused on, having, uh, on Christ having the glory, no matter the situation or the outcome. And as Paul finishes this first section of, the, of his thoughts, he transitions into the next section, which is by, whether by life or death. Verse 21 to 24 says, For to me, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better. We've had those days, right? I did a desire to be with Christ. Uh, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. The, the, the thought process that which next flows into uh, this new thought process of whether life or death and these two possibilities being very real for Paul at this current time. There is, there is this realness of I, I might actually die. I actually might die here in this prison. And yes, I, you know, I, I do want that. I want to go be with Christ. It's amazing. You know, I get to be with our Savior. Uh, but there is this also uh, this, this thing of you know, living as well. And uh, Gordon Fee explains this section like this. Uh, this. This focus, the focus on Christ, the focus is on Christ. So he's talking about what Paul's kind of thought process is. is the focus is on Christ. The orientation is eschatological, Right? I repeated that word so many times in my head before I went to bed last night. Paul's clear preference is death, since that means to gain the eschatological prize is Christ himself, right? Nonetheless, he has little doubt that it will be life, since this is what is best for them. Thus, death would be to his advantage, but life to theirs. So life is what he expects it to be, if that makes sense. (laughs) So going through this process of these two thoughts, Paul lands at the end result. Paul's going through this whole thought process, and he just lands at this end result. And is there one like an out, they need to speak to process? Is there one like that? I just realized that Paul is like that. He is writing this letter and he's processing his thoughts to the Philippians. And then he comes to the, his own result. I'm not like that. I just get to the end result. <laughs> I know someone else though. Um, <laughs> the end result, 25, uh, verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. Okay. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Through all this processing out loud on a letter, Paul realizes that the end result is going to be life and that he will remain. And, and be, because of 
because of this, Paul is able to return back to Philippi or talk to the Philippians and, and continue on their journey with the Philippians and their growth and their joy and faith. It's just amazing that through these, uh, these verses from 18b to 26, it shows this transition of, of Paul's personal business and what's happening in his life to, to the business and the, the things that are going on in the, in Philippian, in the Philippians' life. And we, we also start with rejoicing and we end with joy, There's that framework of, of joy. Uh, and we also see Paul go on a very real journey and, and thinks that being with Christ would be better. Yes, we've all been in that position. Uh, but in the working of the, of the Spirit, Paul is reminded that there are people who still need to hear the Word of God. That there are people who actually still need to be discipled. That there are people who need, that, that God is going to use them for other people around them. That there are people involved with this whole situation, this whole circumstance. It's, it's not just about Him, but it's about the, the greater church. It's about people experiencing Christ. And God will continue to use them. And then the last section, Philippians chapter 1, 27 to 30. being steadfast and having unity in opposition. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you, have, that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as, as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign that they will be destroyed, that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggles you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This paragraph, this, this one little section, this one, you know, three verses. This paragraph holds the key to so much in this letter as we continue to read on in the book of Philippians. Especially regarding Paul's concerns about things on their end, about what's going on in their life, about their situation, their current circumstance, which have undoubtedly been reported to him by his mate Epiphanius, that guy. But there's a lot what's happening. Like I said, there's a lot what's been happening in this, these three verses alone, and uh, it's it's all about Paul's concerns to the Philippians, uh, and this is what we see in these three verses. Firstly, the exhortation. 27, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Secondly, the reasons. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, the reasons, two reasons, that they stand firm in one spirit and be contending side by side as one person of the faith of the gospel. I will know that you'll stand in one, uh, firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Uh, the circumstance. What's happening is there's intimidation without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Uh, and this leads to persecution in their, in their situation. Uh, their standing firm will result in the opponent's destructions, uh, but they will be saved, evidence of the Philippian salvation, and by who? Obviously by God alone. And then Paul gives us, theological explanation of their suffering. 
for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ. It is, given, it is a grace given to those who believe and is a similar experience to Paul's own struggles past and present. And I love what Gordon Fee has to say to wrap up this text. It says, although, and the band can come up, although our particulars may differ considerably, the theological concerns that emerge in this paragraph are greatly needed in the church today, especially in our current post-church, post-modern world, both in the Western church where the struggle was immense, but the suffering itself less so. And in churches in the emerging world where suffering is, is often more prevalent, but where uh, secretarian light strife all too often hampers or restricts the cause of the gospel. The key for us to take out of this particular text from Philippians 1, 12 to 30 is that for the sake of Christ and what we do to advance the gospel. We also go away and, you know, we go away today and we've just delved so deep into this text and, you know, by yesterday afternoon, after just reading so much, my brain was fried. My, my brain was a mush. And I just like, I just, just couldn't anymore. But as we, and this is why I think this is so important, as we just go back this week and we just read over, you know, Philippians 1, 12 to 30, and we just, we remember, you know, what, what Paul is doing, what, what he's saying, what he's, what he's expressing, the thought process that he writes out for us to hear what's, what's actually going on in his head. You know, we, we can ask ourselves some questions. Are we preaching Christ? Not just, not just on a Sunday, but in our everyday life. And what does that look like? Is it, you know, my actions, my words, the way I treat people? What, what is our perspective? Is it that we are the hero or is it Jesus? Are we more focused on trying to do God's work ourselves or letting God have control? Are we conducting ourselves in a way that examples Christ? Man, we have, every single one of us has so much influence. We have influence in our work, in our family, in our community, in our, in our neighborhoods. People are looking to us to see what it means to be a follower of Christ. And are we doing all of this, standing firm in one spirit with the unity and the community that we are in? Are we doing this together? Are we, are we going to each other for support? It's not just about here on a Sunday, but throughout the week, V groups, what we, when we hang out with each other. Are we looking out for each other? I just really believe that there are some, just some questions that we can ask ourselves this week as we continue to look into Philippians. And, you know, this morning, you know, we have gone really deep into a scripture and we, and we believe that, uh, that the Word is God. You know, we believe that this, this Word, 
the Bible is God breathed. And in John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The series that we're in might be a little bit different. It might not be topical. You know, we, we might not be preaching that Jesus saves. But what we are reading is still the Word of God. What we are reading is still Jesus. And so this morning, as every eye closed, I am actually going to give an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus, or if you have known Him before and if you've maybe just kind of fallen out of relationship with Him, I just want to give an opportunity to you to come back or to come to the first time into a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you this morning, every eye is closed. I'm the only one looking around. If that is you, if you have never had a relationship with Jesus or you're coming back into a relationship with Him, why don't you just quickly just chuck up your hand. I'll be able to see it. If that's anyone this morning, it's amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.